Today's reading is from Psalm 100. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us. We are his people. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name, for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Over the Christmas break, I had opportunity to be together with a friend for coffee and conversation. We've shared a friendship for over a decade now, and I always enjoy getting together with him and, and because I, I learn things from him. He used to be a pastor, uh, but he's no longer in pastoral ministry. He's a, a CEO of a, of a business that has grown uh, 2,000%, so things are doing really, really well. But I, I, I like to get together with him because invariably in the course of our conversation, I really sense that God is speaking to me. And he really offers perspective about life outside kind of the, the church world that I often inhabit. And so it's always good to, 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 to hear that from other people. Well, in the midst of our particular conversation, he offered a, a real helpful analogy to me for uh, living as a Christian. And he, he said that rather than uh, living, that, that rather than Christianity and being a Christian be primarily about being certain about things or uh, making sure you get everything right, he said that he thinks that living as a Christian should be more like improv, improvisation. Have you ever seen that, um, seen improvisation on comedy or jazz or things like that, then you know what I'm talking about in terms of improv. And I was intrigued, and he continued to say that the fundamental rule of improv is saying yes and. Yes and. In other words, when you're doing improv, whether it's comedy, whether it's jazz, whether it's freestyle rap, or whether it's you're improving like MacGyver, that you need to have the posture of, of saying yes and. And after that conversation, that stuck with me, and it stuck with me during this this whole break, and, it, and I thought about my own life and the changes that I want to make this year. And in the coming year, I, I realized that what I really want my life to be marked by is this posture of yes and. Rather than worrying about getting everything right or fearing criticism for not getting everything right, I really want to live in the freedom of a life marked by yes and. Now, it doesn't mean that there are no boundaries, okay? I like what G.K. Chesterton said. He said, while Christianity has established a rule and order, the chief aim of that order is to give room for good things to run wild. If you know anything about improv, it's the rules that give you the freedom to do the improv. And I think about so many verses that come to mind. For example, Galatians 5.1, where Paul says it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. To live as a Christian is to really to live knowing that there are some boundaries, but it's within those boundaries that we're called to live into freedom, we're to live, we're to run wild in life. 
And so I realized that I, I just don't want to settle into routine or into the expectations of others and, and sleepwalk through the rest of my life. Well, because I have a role as a pastor within this community, then I have to think about my own relationship to, to this community as well. And, and basically what I want to do is I want to try to, to model this, and I also want to invite others to join me in this way, in this posture. I'd love to take this risk with others. And quite frankly, I'd love to learn from you as well. I think that's what being in a community can really be about is learning from other people, and I'd love to learn from you as well. And so I don't have an agenda to try to get someone to do this. Um, Please don't hear this as I'm now coming forward to pressure someone into something. Uh, This is not a program. It's not a campaign that I'm rolling out. It's not a strategy. You know, you expect that from pastors and New Year's. It's none of that at all. I simply want to be about living a life that's more about Jesus and saying yes and to Jesus and to life. So this morning what I'd like to do is to start the new year by sharing some reflections on what this improv, this posture of improv and yes and might look like. And then I'd like to also share some specific ways I'd like to explore that with you in this coming year. So this is less a sermon um, I know when I'm preaching a sermon, this is not a sermon, uh, as it classically sermons are, but it's more of a kind of a personal and pastoral reflection. And I feel there's times when I want to do this more, and I've not felt as free to do it, but I want to do it today. So is that okay? Okay, thank you. Some people gave me permission. That's awesome. Because I don't have any other options. <laughs> Only got one sermon over here. So I want to offer four reflections on this life of improv, on saying yes and to Jesus and to life. The first reflection is this. To improv is to be present to the now. To improv is to be present to the now. If you think about uh, someone who's doing comedy improv, then they have to be present to what's going on right now with them. A person who does jazz improv, they have to be present to the other musicians who are around them. Uh, You can't just be doing your own thing. You have to be aware of, of what's going on. And the challenge of life in general is to be present to what's happening right now. I remember when I was single, and it was really easy to miss out on the joys of singleness because I was thinking about dating and marriage. And then when I finally got married, it was easy to miss out on the joys of being married as a couple with no children because I was experiencing the pressures of when are you going to have children. And then once we had children, it was easy to miss out on the joys of each one of those stages of childhood because... I was thinking about the next stage of childhood and a future when that child would be less dependent upon us as parents. And I realized that it's so easy to just live your entire life longing for a different future, longing for a future that's different from your present. And all of a sudden you turn around and your whole life has gone. And you realize that you had lived your entire life just longing for some future. And I think it's easy to live this way in a church family, too. I can miss out on the joys of, of sharing life with you all, with having these kinds of friendships and deep relationships that are sustained and that have a, a wonderful history and a story that we shared together. 
including the tough times, including uncertainty, including the, the times that feel like it's dull and nothing new or exciting is happening. All because I'm longing for a different future. So you can live in this church family and be part of this family and yet miss out on even the things that are tough because you're longing for something to be different. Or you're longing for something to be more exciting or not as dull. But what if God is present in the now? What if God is present in the now? What if he's present even in the tough times? What if he's present in the times that are, feel uncertain? What if he's present when nothing new or exciting is happening? So to improv is to be present to the now. To improv as a Christian is to be present to the now, one moment at a time, one day at a time. And it makes sense to me because when you think about it, life Time and life both come as gifts to us, don't they? When you and I awaken this morning, we awaken to a world that we did not create. I was out running this morning. It was dark, and I saw this magnificent sunrise, and the sky was just painted with these iridescent colors. And I thought to myself, I did not do that. I mean, it's, a, it's an important thought. It's an orienting thought. I did not create that. And yet that was on full display while the rest of you were asleep. <laughs> it was great. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 4, 7, what do you have that you did not receive? Now, life comes to us as a gift. And so to improv as a Christian is to live in the present, to live in the moment, to live in the now. Second reflection comes from Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30, and I love Eugene Peterson's paraphrase. I don't know if you can read it. You can read it. It's pretty good. Um, he writes this, Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. It's beautiful. But what caught my attention was that one phrase, learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Grace is about receiving. And to improv as a Christian is to learn to receive. It's to receive from someone else. It's to receive the direction of someone else. It's like a dance partner where the dance partner is leading you in the dance and you follow their lead and it's intended to produce something that's graceful, that's natural, and that's beautiful. And to improv is to follow the lead of Jesus. It's to receive the lead of Jesus. It's to receive the direction of Jesus and the life that flows from him. In other words, all this is intended to be livable. And that's the one thing that I have realized over many, many years is that, and it's been so transformative for me, is that to be a Christian is not merely to have some moment of mental assent to some kind of truths. And then you just go on living your life. This is intended to be intensely livable. 
It's supposed to be something that's lived, not just mentally assented to, and then you go on with, you know, working and having kids and getting married and everything else that we do in life. Third reflection is this, is to improv is to move from the shoulds into the coulds. To improv is to move from the shoulds into the coulds. So this posture of improv involves yes and. It's about listening. It's about receiving from Jesus and then risking by responding. What it's not is this. It's not about shutting down, closing off, taking the safe, the certain, the familiar path. As I was in this conversation, my friend observed that the Christian church, he feels the Christian church in America is often known for its response of no. Remember, he's been a pastor. Instead of this posture of yes and, he said that it's, it's much easier to be cynical and to deconstruct as a way of saying no. It's not that Christians are, are walking around going no, no, no to everything, but rather through, the, through their cynicism, through their deconstructing, they're in essence saying no. They're shutting down, they're closing off, they're playing it safe. It's a way of avoiding the risk of responding to Jesus. You stand off and you're the one that's able to see through things and that gives you a reason to not be involved to not take the risk of being part of something, to not take the risk of looking foolish and following Jesus. And what's, in, what's interesting in improv is that a series of yeses will take you somewhere together. But all it takes is one no, and you, you can't even get started. The person who says no in improv shuts the whole thing down. And I, I think it's fascinating because... If you think about it, to live in God's story, and that's what conversion involves. It involves transferring from my story that I'm creating for myself, and I transfer into God's story. And to improv, in, to, to live in God's story is to be called to improvisation. God's story is revealed to us in the Bible, and it could be viewed as coming to us in five acts. It's like a five-act drama behind me. The first three have already been revealed to us. Creation, covenant. God makes a covenant with Abraham to bless the world. And then that finds its fulfillment in Christ. And now we're in Act 4, which is the church. And so we receive the first three acts, and then we improvise in Act 4 with anticipation of Act 5 that has also been revealed to us. So we are called to improvise between these acts, Acts 1, 2, and 3, and Act 5. And so this posture is one of receiving what God has revealed about himself and about Jesus and about his plan for the world and about his desire to involve, to partner with us in this plan that he has for the world. And we're called to improvise and to figure that out. And what does that look like for us in our own lives? And then we say, yes, and. We say yes and to God and to the world around us. Why? Because we're full of hope, for starters. Think about it. What took place in Act 3? The victory of God. Just a small little thing. The victory of God. He actually raised this guy named Jesus from the dead. 
He raised a man from the dead. Have you ever seen anybody be raised from the dead? I have not. But Jesus was raised from the dead, and there were eyewitnesses who saw that and who testified that, and it's recorded here. And in that act of raising Jesus from the dead, God has said to the world, he's announced to the world, that not just that Jesus has been raised from the dead, but in that victory over death, God has won a victory over sin and over evil and all the darkness and all the dark forces that are in the world. God has won the victory. That's what has happened. And so as we look forward to Act 5, which is the consummation, which is the fulfillment of all that is finally that has been won in Christ and will, be, will break out into the new creation, we are people who live with tremendous hope for the world. We see in the world tremendous potential. Why? Because of what Jesus Christ has made possible through his death and through his resur- resurrection, through the victory of God, and through what is breaking in from the future into the present in that act. That's why Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, if anyone is in Christ, that means if anyone is in relationship to Christ, has, has received the life of Christ, there is new creation. So if the person sitting next to you has experienced the life of Christ, and you don't need to ask them right now, but you can't tell just by looking at them. But you have, to, you have to watch their life. But if that person has received the new life of Christ, and guess what? What's sitting next to you right now, even if it looks slightly sleepy, is new creation. Is new creation. Isn't it amazing? That means that that person sitting next to you is vested with all this potential for the life of Christ to be flowing out of him or her to bless the world. That's phenomenal. I can't wrap my mind around it. And quite frankly, I can't understand why we are not compelled by that more at times. But to improv is to is to be filled with that hope and to see the possibility for life and everyone and everything. And so therefore it leads to this posture of coulds rather than shoulds. Just think what could happen for this person? What could happen in this situation? What could happen for us as a church? What could happen for our city? What could happen for our neighborhood? What could happen for my neighbor? It's hopefulness. It's potential. The fourth and final reflection is this. To improv is to jiggle the doorknobs. To improv is to jiggle the doorknobs. Why? To see if the doorknob is unlocked. Yeah, right? (laughs) Thought I had a spiritual answer for that one, right? What do I mean by that? It means looking around to see what what God might have in store for us or for me. So you jiggle the doorknob. If it's locked, you move on. If it's unlocked, then you step through it to see what God might have in store for you. And this is about living with kingdom imagination. It's about living with phrases like, imagine if God might, or what if God wants us to... It's phrases like that. What if we tried? 
It's a posture of experimenting that is rooted in faith and hope and love and in the presence of the Spirit. It's knowing that there's no failure that's final, so we don't sit around going like, well, we've got to make sure we're going to get it right. So therefore, we don't try very many things. We don't experiment. We don't, we don't really put our lives out there. It's about thinking creatively and courageously about how to live as followers of Jesus and agents of his kingdom. So those are my four reflections. Ultimately, what struck me about this posture of, of improv is about taking, it involves taking a risk, and, and the phrase that struck me was what I'm calling a beautiful risk. To live this with this posture of improv is to take what I'm calling a beautiful risk. I sent an email to you earlier this week um, on our online platform called The City. If you're not registered for that, feel free to sign up for that. But I sent that to you. And I described this beautiful risk that I'd like to explore with you in this coming year. And it consists of three main risks. There they are. <clears throat> the first is the risk of letting God love you. The second risk is to love God. And the third risk is to love your neighbor. Those all come from the Bible. When you think about love, those are the three big risks. And I'd like to explore those with you through sermons, through Bible studies, through life groups and triads and workshops and uh, special sessions that we might have this year. And so we'll begin next Sunday morning with the first risk, which is the risk of letting God love you. And after spending like three to four sermons on each one of these, so figure like a month on each one of those on Sunday morning. Then what I want to present next is five habits or practices or disciplines that can help sustain this posture of improv and this beautiful risk. See, this is not easy stuff. This isn't stuff that comes natural to us. And so there's practices. It's like an athlete who plays a sport. They have to have certain disciplines in their life to sustain their performance, to sustain their way as an athlete. And so there are five practices that I want to suggest to you that are, could be very helpful for sustaining this way of living, this beautiful risk. And they're behind me. Start with prayer. Read the Bible. Live life together. Share your table. And participate in God's mission. And so what I'd like to do is to unpack each one of those in a sermon. So there'll be one sermon per each one of those items. But we'll also seek to support them in life groups and triads and special sessions like today's all-church prayer gathering at 11 o'clock. And so all of that will take us about four months into the new year. So if you're mapping that out, then we hit about May. And following that, we'll then spend the remainder of our time on Sunday mornings, at least, focusing on the second practice, which is read the Bible. What I'd like to do is to go through the Bible chronologically explaining key events and themes in order to immerse ourselves in it and to be transformed by the story of God. So it's not going to be Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, you know, just like, oh, we'll never make it through Leviticus. But, it's <laughs> but rather we're going to be looking at key events in order that, we might, that the story of God might come alive for us. And uh, at least I'm hoping it will. I want it to be that for me.
And that'll be maybe, I don't know, the rest of the year up to Advent. So we'll be immersing ourselves into the story of God maybe 30-something Sundays. And then, I guess to finish today, I just want to invite you to join me in, in two things, to maybe to consider joining me in two things. The first is, uh, to begin to start with prayer, we're gonna, we want to start the year with a prayer gathering. It'll be over in the chapel at 11 o'clock. It'll be very, very doable for those of you who say prayer makes me real uncomfortable. I don't, I don't like anybody hearing me. Um, I'm really self-conscious, whatever. There's not going to be any pressure on anyone, and it's very in bite-sized increments that uh, five to ten minutes per section, and it, you'll be guided through it. So there won't be any pressure, so even if you're just present, that's great because, you know, you might learn something about prayer. But I want to invite you to do that. The second thing I want to offer to you as an invitation is a, um, a reading plan for this year. And in your bulletin that you received today, there's a uh, gospel reading plan. And this is something I'm going to be doing. I know some of you are reading through the Bible. I know some of you have your own plans from whatever. That's fine, okay? Again, no pressure. But this is something I'm doing, and I'm already really stoked about it. Um, you, you essentially, it's a 40-day plan, and on the backside is a really cool introduction about all the things that happen in the Bible in 40 days. So there's something about 40 days. So read through the Gospels in 40 days, and you get two days the weekend to catch up. It takes you maybe 10 minutes a day. Um, I'm reading Eugene Peterson's paraphrase, the message. It's, it's awesome. It's a paraphrase, but that's okay. Um, and it's really coming alive for me. And so after, you can essentially read through all four Gospels nine times in a year. And, and I'm doing that because I really want to immerse myself in Jesus. I want Jesus to become very real to me this year. And so I thought, well, what better way than immerse myself in the story of Jesus? And already I'm, just, I'm wanting to read it at night before I go to bed. I'm wanting to read it in the morning. It's just, it's really just it's great stuff. So just one final thing to reiterate um, to you. That this is not a campaign this is not a strategy. Uh, this isn't an effort to get anyone to do anything. And I hope you've sensed that this morning. But to be quite honest with you, this came out of a recent season of prayer. It was born out of a very personal season of disappointment and disorientation, a sense of personal failure, a deep sense of personal failure and loss of hope. That was basically 2016 for me. And God seemed to give me two things coming out of that. Very clear word. And the first was this. The first word he gave to me was the only way forward is through self-giving love. That was to me personally. The only way forward is through self-giving love. And right on the heels of that was the second word that he gave to me, and that was, see where love takes you. See where love takes you. And so I want to do that. Day at a time. I don't have any plans for more than a day at a time. And for me, that's what this beautiful risk is all about, to, to risk, to improv out of love, to see where it takes me this year. So thank you for listening, and thank you for your commitment to this community. I'd like to pray, all right?
Father, I thank you for this wonderful group of people, for their love for you, for their love for each other, for the love that they have for the people they work with, for their neighbors, for their friends, even for their enemies. And I ask this year for, for me and for those who want to take this beautiful risk that you might lead us and show us where love might take us. Thank you for the beautiful risk that you've made possible through Jesus. Thank you that you're not up in some celestial perch, keeping score, looking for us to fail, playing gotcha with us. But your love continues to flow downhill toward us. It's so full of grace and compassion and mercy. I often find it hard to believe that anyone could be like that because I find myself not like that much of the time. But I thank you that you are that way. And you want to be that way toward us and through us to the world. So I ask that um, your spirit would infuse us with energy, with life, with desire to trust you, to take this beautiful risk. Thank you so much. In your name, amen.